You're listening to You Play A What, a podcast by a musician for musicians. My name is Vincent and I play the euphonium. Join me as I sit down with successful musicians to talk about their specialization, inspirations, and career developments. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to episode 54 of You Play A What. I hope all of you are well. My guest this week is Dr. Andy Sim, a former band director turned psychologist. Andy currently runs his own practice, Embodied Insight. Links will be provided in the show notes if you are interested to check out some of the services he provides. I personally feel that Andy is able to understand and relate to the struggles of musicians and I have decided to break this conversation into two parts. In this first part, we spoke about his career developments over the years and the transition from music to psychology, the famous 618 carrot cake stall, the Sam Pilayo incident in which you were here after this introduction, navigating stress, why we fall out of love with what we love, in the midst of pursuing it, burnout and its contributors. Enough from me now. Please enjoy this episode of You Play A What with Andy. today is a former band director and conductor. He has since moved on to greater things where I would regard as more complex than being a neurosurgeon. Instead of fixing the human brain, his job is to heal the human mind. He now runs his own practice, Embodied Insight, that is spelled I-N-P-S-Y-C-H. I will try my best not to turn today's interview with him into a personal therapy session. Welcome to the show, Andy. How are you doing today? Hey, hi, Vincent. Hey, it's been great. It's a heavy rain today, right? Yes, the, the entire morning, right? So, yeah. yeah. Thank you for uh, taking this time out to speak to me. Uh, otherwise, we can all rest very comfortably yeah. in our beds <laughs> to a later time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's definitely my pleasure. You know, uh, we played in the Philharmonic Winds together. I've played in rehearsals conducted by you. I've played in performance conducted by you. and uh, But we've never really had this sort of chat before. Yeah. Where we are sitting down to talk to each other. Yeah. And of course, uh, your role and your profession has sort of pivoted into something that one would say not quite related to music anymore. Mm-hmm. But I think what you offer now is pretty interesting in the sense that you are able to relate to a lot of the struggles that musicians face mm. or in, in our jobs and in our daily lives. Yeah. And maybe with uh, the sort of knowledge that you have regarding the human mind and why we behave or react a certain way, mm. we can answer a few of uh, my questions or I hopefully many of the listeners' questions as mm. well. Sure, sure. Yeah, let, let's start off with... You, this previous job of yours, right? A, a band director, a conductor. Uh, how many years have it been since you allow music to kind of take a back seat in your life? Well, I think my, like most of us that um, we joined band uh, during our primary school or secondary school. For me, it's a secondary one. 
okay, where mm. I started my um my flute, um you know in a way as a as a flute flute player, and then I moved mm. on to um to navy band, alright. After that, uh, I signed on with with a six years contract, right, and then mm. um navy band became SF Central Band, and that's right. where I started my my uh, music career, okay, for six years, and then after that. I um no I joined the band director's uh, career. Mm. So from there, right. I think um I started off uh, uh probably a year before my contract ends, and that would be nineteen ninety six. Wow, how many okay. years is that? Let me calculate. <laughs> <laughs> we, we we don't keep count. We don't keep count. <laughs> <laughs> don't keep count yeah. That's exactly. Yeah, mm. yeah. It's been so so many years. You know that um since nineteen ninety six, I think um. All those SYF that we can recall, and all mm. those set pieces. I think um it's until um two o o four that I um enrolled uh, into the NIE specialist uh, in band conducting. Uh, mm. that I was in the first batch. Okay, with many other band directors like Mister Tan Bingwe, Mister Tan Tiam He, right? And and mm. I think that is that that part of my life that uh, triggered. Um, that thought of studying psychology, you know, when okay. when we um we exposed to this uh Suzanne Langer when um that time was a uh, prof how long, right? So so he's speaking about anything about emotions and feelings, all those very deep stuff that we couldn't understand. Mm. <laughs> I think that really planted the <laughs> seed there. Okay, it's until right. you know uh, two years later, then I and embarked into uh onto this uh, study of psychology just with the intention mm. to um wanted to know my students better okay, okay. and mm. and also that you know uh, academically i just wanted to have my first diploma right before that you know i mm. i've gotten some of these um abr some diplomas but i don't think okay. that's re- um, really recognized mm. <laughs> in a way so so i wanted my first uh, academic uh, uh paper so i I went on with the diploma in psychology and didn't know, you know what's a hit for me. Um, I think I think struck by chance that I had I had the uh, opportunity to study to study a bachelor in psychology. Then, yeah, and then I moved on to a master's in counseling. You know, and and mm. with a, another struck of chance is that, um, I had a career change. Okay, right. uh, in two o one one. And that's where okay. I got my first job as a counselor, uh, in NUS. Okay. Yeah, I never looked back then. See, and then you now I moved on to SUTD after two years. Um, mm. after four years, then I left. So I went into a bit more of private practice, and that's also when mm. I started my doctoral studies into a one six. Right. Yeah, and until last year, that was last year. Okay. Yeah, I I graduated with a doctor of psychology degree. And mm. now I'm just doing my um part part of it will be my private practice, and the other part mm. will be a an associate counselor at a polytechnic. Right, it's a long okay. I think yeah exactly ten years since I uh, had my career change. Based on what you have said, right, it almost sounds like initially the idea of studying psychology was not necessary to not necessarily wanting to have a complete career change, but more of uh, an additional skill set to value add to the work that you are doing, which is at that point band directing. Yes, that's right. That's right. Just to understand better. Yeah. Right, and gradually it kind of took over, and then it allowed you to transition into 
a completely different career in a way. Yes, exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So in terms of the the musical side of things, are there anything that you miss in particular, or is it like, well, it's been a good run, time to move on? I think definitely those times, you not know, the band camps. <laughs> those were the, yeah, right. the wonderful moments, and of of course, no. <clears throat> Uh, preparing for SYF, they are oh, taunting. Right? <laughs> we, we all know that. Wow, SYF yeah. is like... <laughs> and then you know, when, when you're, you're on the stage and you never know what's happening until mm. maybe something broke down. And and that, that was a year that, you know, I think that was 1999, I guess, um, when I was on stage. Um, that was with Pandemic Secondary School. Um, mm. And then one of my students just you know, uh, caught my attention and told me that sir, uh, this is a sex, uh, tenor saxophonist. So mm. it's uh, you know uh, my 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 B my B key that's the lowest the, the lowest part of the the, sax- the instrument. It just dropped off. We got a shock of my life. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I think those <laughs> right. were one one of those moments that I can remember. <laughs> yeah, I I think a, a mutual friend of ours, uh, Daniel Yao, mm-hmm. uh, he always shares with me. Because he's he usually accompanies the bands that he, he teaches to the SYF. Yeah. And the amount of stories like shoes falling apart, uh French on strings untying at the last minute, uh, forgot their mouthpieces, forgot their reeds and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so some of the things is carelessness, uh, in a way, on the student's part. But some of the things like like you said, a key dropping off or a shoe breaking is kinda out of our control exactly and they just pick that the best time right yes where it matters most to happen yeah, yeah we just work around it <laughs> yeah exactly yeah so you just bring bring along a a, a row of tape and then <laughs> yeah, yeah ho- hopefully fix whatever we can right yeah yeah and uh, it, it's really interesting and i can imagine a very different experience if i were to be in a band that uh, is under your direction because uh, growing up being in band hmm. definitely there's a compared to now there's a way stricter uh, disciplinary code in band hmm. uh, so certain band cultures would be really in on lots of punishments uh, if they are if you don't play well hmm. uh, you know going to run hmm. push-ups hmm. doing sit-ups uh, hmm. whatever it is hmm. um, uh, if you make a mistake like you drop a mouthpiece you have to do certain things and uh, how do you personally feel about this mode of operating or running a band in school mm. and yeah do you see this as like the dark side of our band program in a way yeah in fact um i was one of those instructors <laughs> in the <laughs> earlier years yeah i think i think that that's where you know ask the students do you see that tree over there <laughs> Uh, yeah. yeah, but it's also in a way the the way you are being taught when you're in school. Exactly. Right? Yes. Yeah. That's where you know when we look into psychology, this is how we develop as a um, as a person also. That mm. how we um we learn the kind of uh, vicarious learning, you know, and mm. when when we when we uh, concluded that oh that works, so you mm. you tend to repeat <laughs> that particular yeah. you know strategy. Yeah, but yes. it's after when when I really studied psychology, especially um when I was doing my my counseling masters, and and that's where it really caught me that um I should really change, uh, my way of uh, teaching. Mm. Okay, because that time I was still teaching uh you no know, just helping out one school, 
and mm. that that was when I I changed um the way um I sort of um how I interact with my students. Okay, mm. because I I have better knowledge. I am able to sort of um um anticipate what is going on in the person's mind. Okay, mm. even sometimes when when we, you know, we we just crack a joke about someone in a in, in a one of the band members the whole band might might laugh it's just you know it's a humor thing but to that person it may be traumatic yeah so mm. so i i became more sensitive yeah, yeah. so one mm. one part of it is that um i'm not sure i'm not sure that you know presently is there still such a um, the kind of a teaching style is it still prevalent mm. But I would like to really to urge the, the band directors to be a bit more sensitive because after all that I've been counselling in polytechnics and universities and that's why what you know, the, the stories that I have heard about those traumatic mm. experiences and that can really um become very uh, chronic uh right. know, yeah for them. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and yeah, very easy to cling on to this sort of experiences, right? Although, yeah, and as you get deeper, you realize that it's these sort of traumatic experiences that is at the root of certain uh, issues and behaviors, yeah. perhaps. And I think you you brought up this word trauma or traumatic. It's a, it's a really good term mm-hmm. that I think everyone should know that trauma does not mean that you have to go to war, see a lot of very... Uh, violent mm. or ugly things mm. that is perhaps the the movie version of trauma or how we can <laughs> relate the most to to ptsd you know yeah. but yeah. trauma comes in in so many different forms right that's right. like you said uh, this uh, an incident where you know you crack a joke and uh, to a particular student who mm. does not cope very well in such mm. uh, such situation mm. that could be an extremely traumatic uh, experience for them as well that's right and this one in psychology yeah. we call a, a trauma with a small t and a mm. trauma with a big t that would be the ptsd right. right yeah so this small t would be even something that you it, it just you know is something that unexpected it can be mm. traumatic to you that caused the whole physiology to change right yeah and yeah. then that that will in a way you know manifest into um, anxiety and even mm. though you know it become more chronic, it become depression. I see. Okay. So, with this sort of uh, traumas, then would you say that the the way to go go about it is to kind of like work through it with a professional, and then with the advice given by the professional to you know take the steps mm. to to be on this road to cope with it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's right. I think that there's still a stigma seeing a mm. mental health pra- uh, practitioner. No, mm-hmm. now now do we know you know um almost all schools I would say that all schools they will have a counselor school counselor, mm. and uh, I think that will be a great resource, you know for for us to um to seek to, because um right. yeah even even though even you have not experienced any trauma whatsoever, uh it's still good to you know just to speak to one one person, the school mm. counselor just to um clarify your thoughts, you know some of yeah. these doubts. I think this is this is a very important uh, process, um, going mm. to, you know, into adult years, right, definitely, yeah. And we will talk more uh, about this, this kind of these other issues that we face, right, mm. as the conversation goes along. Yes. Uh, but for now, let's uh go go to something that is a little bit more uh, personal to you, which is the six one eight 
carrot cake stall in Yishun, <laughs> right? Recently taken over by our brother Stanley. Yes. And I don't know if you know this, but my school is literally right behind the coffee shop. Oh, oh Yishun. <laughs> yes, uh, Chongqing. Yeah, Chongqing Yishun. Yes, ah, yes. All right. Yeah. So actually, I'm, I'm glad that only recent years I found out about this particular store. Okay. If not, I've, I'm pretty sure over my secondary school years, I'll be a few kg heavier. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, has the family always been running this establishment or F&B establishment? Um, not really. I think uh, this was started by my mom uh, in the early 2000s. I think probably this is the twentieth twentieth year, okay. Yeah, of this store. Uh, initially she that there were two stores. Okay, one is the carrot cakes, the what you, what you you see now, and mm. in fact, uh, the noodle store just beside, uh, it it was hers, and so she was mm. managing both both stores. Uh, you know, for some time until that, you know, she she decided just to focus on the the carrot cake. Yeah, right. some years ago. Mm. So okay. so we are not in really in F and B is that and that was also a career switch for my mom. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think in, right. in her forties. I think there's this trend in our family that you know she had a career switch, you know, in her forties. For me also, I was forty years uh, old. Right. I think yeah. same for Stanley. Right. It's like <laughs> fascinating. <laughs> fascinating. Uh, family culture. Yeah, in fact. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So um yeah, I, th- I think for for her that she start um learning, she she's always been a, a great cook, you know, at home. It's only that because mm. of a situation that she, uh she had to, you know, to to really go out to the society to work, yeah, and and that's mm. where where she she started off, you know, um, uh, I think her first job was at uh Gang, one of the food court, yeah, I think mm. for over ten years. And then you okay. know, she she came in into um into uh, opening her own business, mm. yeah, and and that's where it all started. And then until really until now, I think twenty twenty years. Wow! Her, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, when I'm studying, yes, the absolutely, I think the store is already there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You have never, yeah. never, <laughs> never eaten anything there. <laughs> no, those. Uh, I I've been to that that coffee shop before. Okay, but I have not heard about the the carrot cake until until recent years to be honest yeah in, in fact yeah. yeah i think it's until when uh, stanley took over uh, yeah. that's where all the social media yeah it's a huge more. boom in social media yeah. right yeah and of course the yeah it, it's very deceptive because when you enter the the coffee shop you're like yes no queue and then you go in and try to order and then oh there's a 2 hours wait and you're like okay <laughs> 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 yeah time to order a coffee and sit down right yeah, so uh, that's that's a great uh great story, and I think uh, the later we get into our lives, the harder it is for us to take on a career change, right? The, the scarier it is. Yeah, to, that's true. Embark on on this change. That's you true. rather stay in a in an environment or in a field that we are very comfortable in, and then you've worked for many years. So uh, right. kudos on all three of you, <laughs> for, you for taking this leap. Thank you. We have to talk about our musical collaboration at least for a little bit, right? Yeah. So, yeah, and one particular uh, incident I think I've shared with you already. That really, really, it's seared into my brain now, and maybe I have to engage you to work through this. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, it, it's I think eight years ago wow, we were years. preparing for yeah we were preparing yeah. for this uh, concert 
Okay. And you were rehearsing uh, and standing in for uh, Louis Alacon, who is the the Spanish composer, Mm, conductor mm, mm. that the Philharmonic has had a long-time relationship with. So we're featuring uh, some of his works and also a bunch of uh, South American theme and Spanish theme works. So I remember very clearly uh, this piece called San Palayo. Mm. It has this huge uh, euphonium solo. And it's probably about like 30-ish, 40 bars, maybe. Okay. Uh, the music is quite fast, so the duration is not too long, but uh, it's quite quite a substantial chunk of mm. uh, jazz euphonium alone mm. uh, doing its thing. Mm. So I could not, could not play 6-8 to save my life. <laughs> <laughs> like, that I... I I mean, I had this, like, the the wonderful ability to kind of be out of time and to be almost like, you know, five quavers mm. out with the entire band, mm. that sort of thing. Mm. So, uh, throughout the rehearsals, it was crazy. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed <laughs> because I couldn't play the rhythm correctly mm. to save my mm. life. Mm. Um, mm. Of course, after that, when, when Luis came over, it was like, oh, uh, euphonium, this solo, you have to stand up. Oh. <laughs> because... Yeah, because, you know, performance practice and stuff like that. Okay, right? So, and then, uh, of course, towards the the later part of the the process, things got better. Mm. Yeah, it has to, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, otherwise we're in trouble. And I remembered also, during the performance itself, uh, these fluents always record the entire uh, concert down. But for some reason, the videographer did not record that particular piece. Oh, dear. So post-concert, we have to all come back on again after all the audience left yeah, and yeah, run the piece right, one more right, time. That's right. Yeah. And of course, the, the second time round was not as good as the first time round, but there's nothing you can do about it, right? The the version that is immortalized is the one, you know, post mm, uh, mm. after everybody left the, uh, the concert hall. Yeah. So that, that was the experience. But uh, that, that being said, you know, uh, I, I want to thank you for being so patient throughout the rehearsal process uh, I, I could at times see perhaps a bit of your helplessness in like you're, you're trying to trying your best to try to help me uh, sort out the rhythm or play in time but the the fault <laughs> solely lies on me not being able to play syncopation properly oh <laughs> I think some yeah, of those so, memories yeah started to, 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 to come back <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so that so that was a, a very very fond uh, memory that I had Oh. But but like I said, I I do re- do rem- do remember your your patience towards me and how everything seems to be okay. You didn't put any kind of pressure on me. You didn't look like you were mad or or angry or anything. But like I said, um, suddenly a level of helplessness okay. because why this person, yeah, just can't play single vision to save his life. No, no, I I, I, I don't think I I I don't think I've thought that way. I think <laughs> during the summer, yeah, right. I, I I can't really remember, you know, because I think eight mm. years. I mean, I think that comes with my, you know, my study. I think that that part helps that mm. I probably that I can empathize that you know right. uh, the, the struggles because uh, compound time compound time is is never easy, especially with all those mm. single patient, right? Mm. With uh, I think I I think I remember that that music was quite complex in certain form. Yeah. Right. So for you to to uh, and I think you were still a young player then, right? <laughs> so younger than younger now. than now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So so I I I think I, I can totally understand you know the the kind of struggles. No, for me I I struggled too, right? So so I think the only thing that we 
the only in a way uh, component that we need then was patience just to support each other mm. yeah but well done yeah. you're really well done <laughs> you're very true <laughs> yeah uh, I, I would say um, luckily uh, things uh, or playing wise mm. I have gone on to be a little bit better right let's put it at that yeah at least right so spending a couple how of years overseas how can that be a little yeah. bit better you <laughs> were in the UK you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah but once, once again I, I want to say yeah thank you for not uh, making things uh, any more difficult than it already is right <laughs> at that moment in time yeah so this uh, particular incident, I think, segued really nicely to what I want to talk about next, mm. which is uh, stress. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, stressful situations, stressful environments, and and stress is perhaps you know a term that we, uh, used to to describe our mental frame, used to describe our emotions, mm. and uh, it's perhaps the most um. <laughs> I don't know whether sometimes it's used unnecessarily. You know, sometimes people say, I'm in a food court. There's 10 choices of things to eat. I mm. feel stressed about deciding what to eat for lunch, right? That's right. Yeah. That's right. And sometimes, yeah, I, and I, as a professional, I don't know whether you deem that as like stress. But uh, for you, uh, how would you uh, define this term? Mm. And what are some of the signs that indicate to you that this person is uh, struggling to cope with stress? as much as they might say that they don't feel stressed. Mm, yeah. yeah. I think one thing is like a stress is overly used, just like depression. Mm. Okay. Anything that's a stress, when anything, two, two um, objects come together, right, uh, intangible or tangible, uh, that definitely has a stress. Okay. That's, when there's a pressure, there's a stress. Okay. Okay. And it's just that how, how we perceive this stress and how much of this tolerance that we had for this stress, okay. Mm. Let let us talk about you know uh, maybe the what we call it, the operational def definition of stress by this you know very famous uh, Lazarus and Fokman you know in our world the way that mm. you know stress is the relationship between a person and and his or her environment that's appraised or okay. assessed, okay, to be overwhelmingly or exceedingly you know in his or her resources. And so this feeling is to a uh, you know to potential harm, to or a bias. Mm. So in a way that is how we perceive this stress, you know, and how how pleasant or how unpleasant the level of pleasantness, you know, to our own interpretation. Okay. Yeah. So right. so you know it, it become like a, a habit that we just say anything. Oh, this stress, that stress. It it become <laughs> like a habitual, you know, a yeah. keyword for us, right? Mm. So. But then when we look into stress, it's just like, you know, uh, your, uh, your instrument, okay, mm. between all the keys, when you put, they put a valve in, it's always, it's always stress in a way. Okay, so you need okay. to put um, key oil, you need to put valve oil in order to, to regulate that stress. I see, okay. Yeah, so, so mm. any part of an instrument is always under stress. Even our lips, when you, you, you put your mouthpiece onto it, that's also stress. But we are mm. still able to play beautiful music with those stress. Okay. Okay. But we also know that when you 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 push it too tightly, you want to play high note, you want to press too, you know, too too much onto your lips, and you know, we know what's the outcome. So that has become yeah. like overly stressed. And and that that is also, uh, it's the same thing that happened to our body. Right. So, you mm. know, when we have this stress, stress is helpful for us in order to um to act on all those behaviors. 
right? Yeah. So when we overly, you know, use too much energy, so that become uh, you know, a heavy burden and load onto our body, and that you know, uh, manifests into wear and tear. Okay. Yeah. So so right. that will have you know all these uh, physiological, mental, uh, all this uh, wear and tear, so that you know we, we mm. feel very tired after that. Mm. Yeah, and then we become we become anxious about it, become depressed about certain certain uh, outcomes. You know, we, mm. we had, you know based on our personal expectations. So when it comes to stress, we you know we need to look into the nature of this stress thing. Yeah, I I, I think I think that that just you know, a very a brief uh, illustration of stress for mm. for this part. Yeah. Okay, and like you said, um, uh, you you have already mentioned some of the the symptoms of someone that's dealing with stress, right? Mm. The, the particular wear and tear, mm. uh, fatigue, mm. and. Is is there a reason why sometimes people don't realize that they are they are being affected by stress, or or do you, have you ever come across any cases whereby you talk to someone they say that they are not stressed but then, where after speaking to them it's like oh clearly you are you are affected mm. by or you are stressed out mm. yeah, mm. yeah. And, and this is not uncommon that because um we tend to normalize that stress. Mm. Okay. okay, because um, we have a certain baseline when it comes to stress, you know, like let's say, mm-hmm. um, for example, uh, for this uh, vaccination, some of us mm-hmm. we are probably fear of needles. Okay, the first time, oh, you know, you have to go through all those struggles to get the first first uh jab, but then the second mm-hmm. time it became better. All right, until maybe mm-hmm. if there's a need for you to take five or six more jab, maybe you really normalize the kind of pain, the kind of, you're able to anticipate the level mm. of pain. Okay. okay. That, that's the same for our anxiety. Some of us that we, we tend to either suppress our our mm. anxiety. Okay. So that, you know, when when another person asks uh, about our well-being, are you stressed? No, no, I think, I think it's okay. All right. Mm. But, then, but then sometimes that's not congruent between what we say and how we act, you know, uh, mm. exhibit the, the behaviors. So, okay. so, for this person, it might be that this person has been normalizing the kind of uh, anxiety, but also suppress, you know, uh, a lot of all this energy inwards. Mm. Okay. okay. Maybe for another person that uh, uh, he or she has already uh, sort of understood the nature of distress, and this person might have uh, gotten enough resources to overcome that situation, that adversity. Mm. Okay, so this person is always believing that, okay, I might be stressed now, but I believe that I'm able to overcome because I have all these resources. Right. Yeah. Okay. So so I when see. you talk to a person, you, you might want to uh, observe, you know, uh, whether, you know, is it congruent between their body language and how they act? Mm. Yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, I, I find that during my time studying in uh, music colleges, Singapore and abroad, that there are students who eventually mm. fall out of love with music, right? Mm. So I, I can safely say that all of us came into this field of studies or this profession because initially we really like music, mm. we like performing, mm. we have a strong passion for it, mm. however ways you want to put it. But what is it about entering music school and embarking on this professional career that can somehow uh, 
throw the kitchen sink into our our relationship with uh, music. That 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 could be a result of um when a person doesn't believe that he or she can do it anymore, right? She she he or she doesn't cut out for this profession, mm. right? And also um you know there's this this uh quite this um trend of um talking about discussing about uh, imposter syndrome recently right absolutely right yeah so so you know and whether this person you know uh is starting to doubt oneself that whether i'm able to cut out for this profession you know am i a fraud or, or something <laughs> right <laughs> to, to, to yeah. stand in front of this or this audience and to perform to perform all this music yeah i have this love but am i really you know up to the level so mm. so you know um, I think, uh, particularly in music, we always talk about music performance anxiety, right? When when this, yeah. uh, when the person is not able to, um, you know, overcome the threshold of this anxiety, he or she might just give up, right? Mm. Because the the tolerance endurance to that is already, this person's already burned out, from yeah. all this, yeah. So I think that that's when they decided to just leave the the whole thing behind mm-hmm. yeah what what about um, external influences from teachers or uh, colleagues or, or maybe not colleagues but mostly teachers or people or who you regard and you respect right mm. that you in a way I, I, perhaps it's not a very healthy thing that you sort of put on a pedestal mm-hmm. because of their uh, repute is there like a huge impact on the words that they use on you hmm. that would have an effect on how you perceive yourself as a musician and whether you are cut out, like you said, for this career or not. Hmm. Definitely, definitely a huge impact. You know, when we, just now we talk about imposter, imposter syndrome and, or uh, music performance anxiety, they're always linked to our self-concept, our self-esteem. Hmm. Right? So, so when a person that you respect so much and then you have this, you have this uh, regard for this person, Right, because of how famous it is, and of course that you want to believe that this person can help you to um to grow, right? Mm. And also uh, you there's a regard for this person because that you the respect you have for this person and the hope that this person can nurture you, but then that the the type of nurturing we we're expecting maybe kind words or encouragement <laughs> from this person, right? But when this mm. person, that's the expectation that we have, right? Right. Mm. But then when this person is, you know, going to say something is out of the world, that will definitely uh, damage or hurt our ego. Mm. Okay. So that self esteem. You no. Know, when, when we have, when we are struggling to, to um proceed, you know, through through the through the years of study, we are, we are always there's this self doubt that we have. Am I able mm. to, to um to really um, to excel in this because that's the self-efficacy that we have. Are we effective enough? Right? Mm. So the, that's a belief system. So when, when all these words you know, just hit on us, right? that, that would definitely mm. demoralize us and mm. that might just hit to the core of our ego. Right? And, and that, would, that would sort of like for us to confirm that, oh, we are not good enough. Mm. Okay, so so you know, I heard st- thousands of st- uh, of stories that usually this team that that always surface, 
I am not good mm. enough. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's very common. So so that definitely that will be a huge impact on the person when you said mm. you know all those words. Right. Mm. Yeah. And I think this is also um, I mean I've been on the on the receiving end of this. Mm. And I, but I think this is also uh, a good reminder for all of us who are listeners to the podcast who are teachers to be aware of the impact that we can have on the students as well. Mm. Yeah. That's right. Uh, to not uh, take our, in the spur of the moment, do not spew out things that would, um, that could be hurtful or personal and, and things like that. That's right. Right. That's right. Yeah. That to always keep it at a very professional. That's right level yeah and you mentioned something about burnout as well mm. so this would apply to all sorts of careers right not just music and it's it is an increasingly a discussed topic yeah right yeah. perhaps like corporate culture yeah. is uh, not that uh, conducive mm. to have a, a long career mm. so what do you think are some of the reasons that contributes to burning out in a career or, or studies. Mm. Yeah. And yeah, maybe let's start there first and then we see where it goes. I think definitely one part of burnout, when you look into burnout, right? The, one of those uh, definition of burnout, you know, there'll be three, um, three components. Okay. So that would usually involve uh, emotional exhaustion. Okay. okay. Um, that also means that, um, you know, the feeling of being stretched too thin. Okay, emotionally, you're mm. really, you know, um, there's too much of those um, uh, depletion right, mm. in the energy. And the next will be the uh, depersonalizations. Okay, that will be the, you know, like a loss of compassion for others. It be, will be quite mm. cynical that in, this, this person, why is this person doing something for me, uh, against mm. me? No, like the what you mentioned, if this professor or this lecturer, you know, keep on picking on me, you know, I I I will be very um I will not trust this person anymore. So when you don't trust okay. people around you, you also the social resources also be depleted. Mm, okay. Okay. And also another component will be personal accomplishment. Okay, that describes the overall competence and the self worth related mm. to work. Okay. If if a person always have this sense of uh, imposter syndrome, you know I'm always a fraud. You know I'm I do not believe I'm able to cut out for this job, you know. And 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 that's where, this is one part of it that that's where, uh, I don't belong here. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Okay. And and also that if I do not meet my KPIs, you know that means that I'm lousy. I'm not good enough. Mm. So so when all this. You know, add up together these three components, yeah. That that would you know keep us in on the edge of keep uh you no know, exhausting our energy. Mm. Other rather than on work, we are always uh, focusing on, you know, uh, how ineffective we are, and how right. you know others are always um going against me. So it mm. depends on the focus, the attitude towards towards a situation. I think that's very important. No. Okay. Mm. Would you say, like, can I put it this way, like, these three pillars, right, and these three main components that you mentioned, it has to be all taken care of. Mm. If they're not taken care of, then it's sort of like, 
overflows and affects our our mental frame. Definitely. And our physical health as well. Right? Definitely. Yeah. Okay. What what I understood, you know, um is how we understand the environment is very important. Okay. Even certain things, even that, you know, this professor that said something so so nasty about me. You 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 can't play this well, you know, you're always out of tune. Right. Mm. So definitely it hurt us. I think there's also one component, like uh, also an advice to music students or anyone that's out there, you know, uh, facing your bosses. I think we need to learn how to look beyond those words or those non-verbal behaviors. Mm. Okay, we need to to learn how to see beyond means that you know this person, this person might be also struggling with something in his or her mm. life. Yeah. That, you know, there will be also all those prior experiences or those, you know, ex- uh, that, that has probably shaped this person to who mm. he or she is now, today. Yeah. Right. So this person might be also having a very huge uh, defense mechanism. So for him or her to say something. Mm. Okay. So when we are able to look beyond that, oh, maybe this person that just hypothesized that this person might have received the same kind of uh, no remarks from his or her professors. Okay, that yeah. works for him or her. Mm. And then he or she is trying to use it on me. Of course I feel yeah. hurt. Right. So mm. I need to I need to widen that, that perspective, the mental perspective of okay, I I, I I feel hurt, but then that might be, you know, what is going on with this person. Mm. And then you know we are able yeah. to see see uh, a broader Mm. And I think that that will be one of those um coping uh mechanism that we have. Some of us we are we are, we are you know we do not really um being affected by words because of higher tolerance, right? Some of us we might be able to understand, you know, just slightly beyond the threshold. I think that is one part of regulation that you know uh, we need to learn. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and I I think. Uh, would you say that trying to look into like the intentions or trying to understand the intentions from this other person's shoes or understand their environment would help us uh, feel better mm. or help us perhaps not, maybe feel better is the wrong word but to understand the behavior of this other party that's right that's right when so you, that you we don't feel like it's a tech right? yeah that's right mm. so when we understand or rather we are able to look with another perspective Okay, so the emotional exhaustion will be reduced. Mm. Otherwise, we'll be right. always rehashing on, on those moments. Mm. Okay, like, like a vicious cycle, right? Vicious cycle, yeah. yeah. You know, for you, mm. that just now you talk about the, the, uh, the performance, right? Mm. I think uh, even after the solo, you might be keep ruminating about, oh no, I should have done that. You'll be focusing on that <laughs> particular part. Oh no, right, I should yeah. have done so, so many times. This. So yeah. many times, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And then even you no, know, when you 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 go uh we went on to the second recording, you might be, oh no, no, I you there's this part of you that keep going back to the first performance. Oh no, I think I should. So it's uh. it's how we, we, we focus our mind. So our mind mm. keep wondering. That's very normal. But we need to learn how to get that part of the mind to come back to the present moment. And to to attend, you know, mm. to the issue itself, right? Yeah, okay. that will reduce yep. burnout in a way. Yeah. Mm. 
Okay. And uh, what are your, your thoughts about uh, mindfulness practices? You know, meditation, uh, yoga, or maybe sometimes, uh, maybe this might not be considered mindfulness practices, uh, but uh, working out, incorporating exercise into your life. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how does... Uh, how how can incorporating all these things uh, improve the the quality of life mm, mm, for mm, us? Yeah. Mm. Definitely, now the mindfulness is a very big thing. Yeah, mm. in fact, it's been you know present uh, two thousand over years ago. Okay, right. yeah. So you know, we, one one thing is that mindfulness why is it helpful because uh it um it activates the front part of our brain more. Okay. Yeah, because you now we are when we are doing a lot of things just. Just uh, just to recall that the last thing you did was everything automatic, autopilot, mm. right? Even for a lot a lot of uh, the feelings that we have, you know when we when we are being con- uh, contacted with certain kind of stimulus, naturally we'll have certain kind of feeling, and that's automatic. Mm. Okay, when come mindfulness come in is when we are able to just to break the chain, break that that uh sense of uh, habit, because this habit might be. Uh, 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 unhealthy habits. Okay. Okay. Definitely healthy habits. Please, please carry on and and keep right. doing it. Yeah. So mm. what we want to what we want to focus here is the unhealthy habits. Okay. Right. So when mindfulness come in, okay, we are able to break that cycle, the vicious cycle. Mm. Okay. okay. Because when we're always an autopilot, you know, the the mid brain and the hind brain, they are highly activated, especially the amygdala. That is the, mm. the emotional center okay. in our brain. Okay. Right. So when kind of mindfulness, all right, it's just like um re it, it, it's just like the whole the whole uh what you call that um uh every part of the computer is you no, know, it came online. Mm, okay. Right. In in usage, like you know. In usage, yes. So would you say that yeah, let let's uh, take an example here. So you talk about incorporating mindfulness practices into uh in, in a way to replace the the bad habits that we have in our lives at the moment mm-hmm. right so let's take an example for example if the moment i i open my eyes right at eight o'clock in the morning immediately the first thing i do is grab my phone and i spend two hours on my phone yeah so um and not doing anything productive right so it's just like maybe you check your facebook and keep scrolling scrolling yeah. all the way yeah and uh, that could be a very bad thing, right? Mm-hmm. That could be a, a bad habit. Mm-hmm. So by saying that, okay, once I wake up, I'm going to say, uh, go for a run or mm-hmm. I would start this uh, meditation meditation practice mm-hmm. for 10 minutes mm-hmm. or 5 minutes mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. go to your yoga class. Mm-hmm. Is that what you mean by using mindfulness practices to remove some of the the bad habits that we have. Yeah, that's right. Just now when you do it, when you even um, uh, noted that, oh, you know, just scrolling the phone is a bad habit. That's mm. already mindfulness. Mindfulness okay. doesn't mean that you need to sit down, find a quiet place to in order to practice mindfulness. Okay? So mm. so we need to uh, uh, differentiate between mindfulness and mindfulness. F-U-L-L. Okay. Right. Right. Okay. So so yeah. most of the time that we are mindfulness, right? We are always mm. we are always you know think a lot you know, uh, we always jam with a lot of thoughts, a lot of thought bubbles <laughs> in there. Yeah. Then that that you know when we have a task, 
and we have all this anxiety of the future, you know, we fear of the future, then that will lead us to procrastinate and to find something mm. easier to do. You, know, you always you know, think about a lot of things. Right. But when it comes to mindfulness, as what you said just now, oh, today maybe I want to go for a run or you know, go for yoga class. Mindfulness starts with an intention. Mm. When you start with intention, you're already aware. So that's always awareness also. Okay. okay. So most of the time, when we are mindfulness, you're always in the autopilot mode. We hmm. are not thinking straight. Ah, <laughs> uh, I see. Okay. Yeah. So it is sort of like, uh, what whatever comes comes right, and then yeah, it it's it, it's a weird kind of thing in a way. What you are saying almost feels like, in the mind, it's full, mm-hmm. but yet like nothing is happening. Mm-hmm. So it's like a lack of productivity. Yeah. Yeah. But then your like the RAM of your brain is just like completely occupied exactly, with exactly. all these thoughts, right? Exactly. So you can't actually do anything. Yeah, you cannot to, perform to anything. Progress. Yeah, that's right. Right. It's all in the RAM, mm. you know, in the head. But action is right. zero. Yeah. You know, okay. Kind of mindfulness actually, but come to think of it, musicians are, are you know fantastic mindfulness practitioners. Mm. Mm. You know why? Yeah. <laughs> is it because we? tend to always reflect on the things that we do. Exactly, oh. exactly. Even though we know right. when, when we, we are uh, practicing long tones, we are always listening. Mm. Right. We are even, you know, uh, we are aware of our physiology symptoms, you know, how it works. Mm. How's my jaw? Okay, the mm. place of my lips, right? And my posture. And how am I going to, to, to breathe, you know, deeply in order to, um, you know, really to, to give you a very good, outflow of the air yeah you're very mindful during those practice but it's only right. when during the performance we, be- we became very mindful yeah 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 absolutely absolutely yeah yeah and uh, we're, we're gonna go there definitely <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah how, how we react to these situations yeah um now i i found this really interesting quote from your website mm. okay and i'll just read it out to you yeah. and i i would just want uh, your inputs on on certain things and s- some of the terms so uh, in the quote uh, you said with embodied insight comes mm. self-regulation mm. with self-regulation comes self-generation mm. with self-generation comes embodied resilience mm. with embodied resilience comes vitality mm. with vitality comes health and well-being <laughs> and of course some of these terms like regulation you have already mentioned in the the previous uh, topic about stress. Mm. Okay, so uh, let's start. Uh, let's go line by line. Right? Yeah. Okay. So let's start with embodied insight. And what do you mean by that? You have been listening to You Play a What, hosted by Vincent Tan. If you enjoyed this episode, please hit the subscribe button so that you'll be notified when a new episode is posted. Rate and review the podcast and share it with your friends if you feel so inclined. The theme music for the podcast is entitled Midnight Affairs and is composed by Algirdas Matonis and recorded by Vincent Tan. Thank you so much for listening to You Play or What? Until next time.